What's up, party people? It is Miss Desiree Soto. I am your host of The Bones We Keep, and thank you so much for coming back to our second episode. I am so excited for this case. And if you know me, and of course I hope you do know me, I am a huge, huge true crime fanatic, but also I am obsessed with Ryan Murphy and his shows. So when I was inspired with this case... I saw the assassination of Gianni Versace, and I was like, you know what? I really have to do this case on Andrew Kananen. I really, really have to. So that's who we're going to be covering this week. So let's not waste any time. Let's let's get right into it, party people. So like I said, we are going to be diving into the case of Andrew Kunanen, which is one of the most famous serial killers. Um, first off... Has anyone seen the assassination of Gianni Versace? We're going to get into that later on. But if you haven't, uh, it's on Netflix. If you have Netflix, please go watch it because literally it dives into Andrew and what type of person he is. Obviously, it's dramatic and it's kind of, you know, and they even put a disclaimer. Some of it, it might be dramatized for whatever, but it is a really good series. So make sure you do that. Darren Chris is in it. Um, I forgot what his name is. Edgar uh, Ramirez, Ricky Martin, um, Penelope Cruz is in it. Uh, a couple people, obviously, in American Horror Story are in it. It's fabulous. So, anyways, let's get into Andrew Kananen. Andrew Philip Kananen was an American spree slash serial killer known to have murdered five people during a three-month period in mid 1997 from April 27th to July 15th. His victims include Italian fashion designer Gianni Versace and Chicago real estate developer League Miglin. Kunanen uh, committed suicide by, gunsh- by a gunshot on July 23rd, 1997, eight days after murdi- murdering Mr. Versace. So literally... Like a week went by, a week and one day, and he he pretty much committed suicide. And that's, it's a pretty sad story when you think about it. And, you know, it's so funny because when I get into conversations with people with true crime, they're like, well, these people are so obsessed and and so deranged and all this. Yes, it's so crazy. I was watching, um, hopefully, hopefully there's no disclaimer on here, but... I was watching Bailey Saren, who, if you guys don't know who she is, she's fabulous. She has this YouTube. It's Makeup and Murder. She does it every Monday. Oh, my gosh. Literally, I love those videos. But she was actually bringing up a really good point that a lot of people that are serial killers have two things in common. They have serious mental health issues, and they have some sort of head injury, trauma. And when she said that, I was like, whoa, I never, ever put two and two together. And she did. That's amazing. If you haven't seen her videos, go check it out. It's on YouTube. I'll actually put in a link in the description so that way you guys can check that out. Anyways, let's get into the early life of Andrew. The youngest of four children, Andrew was born on August 31st, 1969 in National City, California. To Modesto, quotes, Pete Kunanen, a Filipino-American, and Mary Ann Schrischer, I can't really pronounce this, it's a very much of an Italian name, 
Um, and she actually died in 2012, I believe from cancer is what I read. I'm a little backstory. I guess it was from cancer. Um, she was an American Italian. Modesto was serving in the U.S. Navy in the Vietnam War at the time of his son's birth. After leaving the Navy where he served as a chief petty, uh, petty officer, Modesto worked as a stockbroker. Now, it's interesting, like I said, I, I know that you guys haven't seen the series if you haven't, but it's interesting because they kind of dive into the whole stockbroker thing, and one of my favorite scenes literally is, uh, it, it's Modesto's fleeing um, from the cops, and he's talking to Andrew, and Andrew looks like, well, like what the hell is going on? Literally. It, it's so dramatized, but it's probably how Andrew felt at that time, and... Darren Chris really pulls off, like, literally, I was so impressed with him about that, but, um, in his youth, Cunanan lived with his family in National City and attended Bonavista Middle School. In 1981, his father enrolled him at the Bishop School, an independent day school located in the affluent La Jolla neighborhood of San Diego. So, if you guys don't know, I know a lot of people that are probably listening to this, you know, are from Southern California, but if you're from up north, La Jolla is a little bit of a kind of town um, in San Diego, so I think La Jolla is, is right before you get to actually San Diego itself, but it's like kind of a, a small town a little bit. It's like, I, I always tell everybody, it's kind of like how Turlock is to Modesto a little bit. So, yeah, it, it was it was interesting, you know that area. There, Cunanan met his lifelong best friend, Elizabeth Liz Coyote. At the school, he, rem- he was remembered of being bright and very talkative and tested with an IQ of 147, so he was very, very, very smart. Very, very smart. As a teener, teenager, Cunanan developed a reputation as a prolific liar and was giving given to tell tall tales about his family and his personal life. So he basically just kind of made him look like he was a king when he probably wasn't in his real life. Um, He would always be adapting, always changing his appearance according to how he felt attracted at the given month. So obviously, you know, he was like super fashionable and all that too. And I mean, that that can really take a toll on on yourself that you're trying to really live up to that status and live up to that mirror and I mean I've been there so many times I had blonde chunky highlights in freaking high school and I thought that was the shit back then you know what I mean it really wasn't it really wasn't I looked like Kelly Clarkson on crack I'm not even kidding you anyways Kunanin identified himself as gay in high school and would begin liaison Lizzie liaison Sorry, guys, I can't really talk. With wealthy older men. So this is when Andrew kind of started his relationships with wealthy older men because he said, oh, well, they're living the life, you know, and I need to become a sugar baby because if I don't become a sugar baby, I'm not going to get what I want in life. That's crazy, right? After graduating high school in 1987, he enrolled at UC San Diego where he majored in American history. So that's quite interesting that he did take that major. In 1988, when Cunanan was 19, his father deserted his family and moved to the Philippines to invade arrest for embezzlement. So, 
I don't want to give too much away, but if you have seen the series, continue to listen. So, like I said, remember that scene of that? I remember the scene in American Crime Story where um, the actor John John Briones, I believe. Oh, my gosh. He's so great in that series, too. He, he, um, he was at his stockbroker, and he supposedly lied that he was actually wearing, uh, he was working for Merrill Lynch, but he was actually working for, like, a small town um, stockbroker, kind of like a hole in the wall, if you find it, like, in Compton or something like that. I don't know. Anyways, um, that scene, basically, the cops come in and try to bust him, and he flees, and then he goes out the back door, then he runs home, takes all the money out of the house, and then literally just takes off in his Mercedes Benz to God knows what, and then, you know, later on, Andrew comes and finds him, and he's in, like, the Philippines. Isn't that insane? Literally, I like the fact that they dramatized it, but oh my gosh. Um, the same year, Kunanan began... Uh, he began going to local gay bars and restaurants, and his mother was very deeply religious, so she really wasn't really happy at the fact that her son was gay. She, she was very like, okay, well, I don't really accept you, but whatever. And I know a lot of parents that are like that, that are not accepting of, you know, their children that actually come out. And I feel like, yes, myself, I am religious, but I'm very flexible when it comes to type of stuff. We're not going to get into it, but that's just so crazy that she did that. So, you know, she learned about his sexual orientation, and like I said, she wasn't happy. However, during an argument, Kunanin threw his mother against the wall and dislocating her shoulder. So that was a red flag, apparently. Later, they did an examination of his behavior that indicated that he may have been suffering from antisocial personality disorder, criticized by a lack of remorse and empathy. So I think that was the red flag where everyone kind of started noticing that Andrew had a little bit of a mental health issue. And I think his mom was like, whoa, what the heck? So... In 1989, Kunanen dropped out of UC San Diego and settled um, in the Castro District, of the, the center of the gay culture, moving in with his best friend Liz and her boyfriend Phil Merle. So they moved up to San Francisco in the Castro District. If you don't know the Castro District, it's a huge center for gay culture and the LGBT commu- community. Um, And Andrew just kind of fit in a little bit. Obviously, he was gay, so he was like, oh, okay, this is my home. This is where I'm going. And he lived with, you know, his best friend Liz and uh, her boyfriend, so he was very comfortable at that time. And, you know, his personality wasn't coming out yet, and his murder tendencies weren't coming out, so he was trying to enjoy that. Let's get into the adult life of Andrew. So in San Francisco, Kunanen continued his practice of befriending wealthy older men he also reportedly um created violent pornography at this time okay (laughs) when i read this i was like um all right so does that mean that uh he may have some psycho tendencies at that time it could have been that definitely he also uh, socialized in the Nine Crescent La Jolla neighborhoods of San Diego. So he probably like went back and forth. And then also I read that he had uh, some uh, socialized events as well too in Scottsdale, Arizona. That's random. Why wouldn't you? You're in California, but hey, 
Cunanan also uh, began dealing drugs. So he was he wasn't making ends meet, so he had to become a drug dealer basically to make ends meet. So including opiates, prescription opiates, uh, cocaine, and marijuana, he used several aliases obviously to protect his identity because he was a drug dealer, uh, like Andrew De Silva, Lieutenant Commander Annie Cummings. Okay, that's random. Uh, Drew Cunningham and Curtis D. Martis. Okay. Like I said, he was trying to protect his identity because obviously he was a, a drug dealer. Uh, Cunanan allegedly first met the fashion designer Gianni Versace in San Francisco of October 1990. So supposedly this is one of his stories again that he met Versace. And Versace was in town to be fitted for costumes that he had designed for the San Francisco opera production of Richard Strauss's opera Capriccio. Capriccio, yeah. Although family has denied, Gianni's uh, family has denied that the two had never, ever met. In December of 1995, Cunanan met David Madsen, a Minneapolis architect in a San Francisco bar. They began a distant, a long-distance relationship shortly after, but Manson ended the relationship in the spring of 1996, telling his friends he sent something shady about Cunanan. So David actually was like, uh, yeah, this guy is really, really creepy, and I, I don't think I really want to deal with him anymore. So he obviously, he, he picked up on the red flags right away. Kunanen told friends that Matson was the love of his life. So Kunanen was obsessed with him and just wanted to do anything possible to be with him. Um, stalker tendencies. Can we not? Our narcissistic, narcissistic tendencies, too. Definitely. In September 1996, Kunanen broke up with Norman Blatchford, which I guess he was staying with at that time and living just a luscious. Uh, luscious, sorry, uh, life, a wealthy older man who had been hosting him and financially supporting him. So, obviously, he was a sugar baby and, you know, was with this guy. Uh, he actually maxed out all of his credit cards. Kunan's close, close friend, Jeffrey Jeff Trail, a former Navy officer working as a district manager for a propane company, in Minneapolis had told his former roommate Michael Williams that Cunanan resumed selling drugs. So I think Jeffrey kind of picked up a little bit on the weird behavior that Andrew was kind of displaying. So Jeff was like, okay, let me back up a little bit, kind of distance myself from Andrew because you know what, for one, he's selling drugs. I don't really support that. Let me just back it up. That's crazy. You know what I mean? Andrew was known um, to regularly consume these drugs, even methamphetamine. So it's so crazy because there's a lot of people that doesn't, they don't understand addiction or understand drugs or dealing drugs or, or anything like that. If you're dealing drugs, 99% sure that you're doing those drugs along selling them. Now, there's a lot of people that claim that, you know, people that deal weed don't smoke weed or a lot of people that you know sell other drugs don't do that but 99% sure 
percent sure that they are doing those drugs because they have free sources. They literally have the, the amends right in front of them. In April 1997, a friend reported Kunanan was abusing painkillers and was drinking alcohol like there was no tomorrow. So he started becoming a little bit of addicted to drugs and a little bit addicted to alcohol. And he was probably masking something. And that's what I was thinking when I read this research. I was like, he must have been masking something that he was going through and that he really, really, really didn't want anyone to know. So he just kept drinking and doing drugs. Later that month, he told friends that he was leaving uh, San Diego from Minneapolis to take care of some business with uh, Mr. Jeff Trail, who recently distanced himself from Cunanan. So I read that Jeff was like really, really kind of weirded out by Andrew a little bit and felt like Andrew was coming on to him a lot, which is, you know, that was just his friend. But he felt like, you know, Andrew was really too much of a grip and kind of acting a little bit like a boyfriend instead of a friend and Jeffrey probably didn't like that in the series um it's and I don't know if I put this in here but Andrew wrote a note to I think his father and his father or his mother I forgot which one it was saying that he was gay and Jeff didn't want anyone to know that he was gay because obviously he's a former navy officer but he also knows his parents don't support that lifestyle. So that's why he didn't want to say anything. But that was so crazy, that scene, because you see Jeff go from zero to 60 really fast. Like, really, really super fast. So, yeah, that, that was pretty cool. That was insane. Um, before Kunanen visit Trail, he did not want Andrew to come. So, you know, Trail didn't really want him to do that. He's like, I don't know, dude. I want you to skedaddle a week before his death trail told williams that he had a huge following up kunanan and then i made a lot of enemies this weekend and if i get and was it i've got to get out of here they're going to kill me so he kind of foreshadowed his death a bit because he knew that andrew was acting up a bit on April 24th, Kunanen and four friends attended a going-away party at Hillcrest, California Cuisine, a rare occasion when Kunanen did not cover his tab. So it was like a dish, like a dine-and-dash kind of situation. He had reached his credit limit on both of his credit cards and asked for credit extension to actually afford his plane tickets in Minneapolis. So he was having a lot, a lot of money problems. And he was very, like, scrambled. What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? So, yeah. Um, upon arriving there the next day, Kunanen stayed with Madsen. Um, and Madsen was actually a mutual friend of him and Trails. So he stayed in that loft apartment. Um, it's quite interesting when you read research about it because, you know... Andrew came off as this psycho killer, obviously. I mean, I'm not going to take away from that, that he was really deeply disturbed, but he was trying to have these relationships with these grown men. And these grown men were, like, really picking up on the fact that this guy was really, really psycho. Um, and that should be a red flag to be going with, and I think that's why Jeffrey kind of dissed him himself, and I think Madsen was trying to diss him himself, but, you know, Andrew had, like, his deep claws in him. But, yeah. Um, let's get into the murders that Andrew committed, okay? Number one, Jeff Trail. Kunanen's killings, killings began 
um, in Minneapolis on April 27th, 1997, with the murder of his close friend, 28-year-old Jeff Trail. After an argument in Trail's apartment, Kunanen stole Trail's gun and brought it to second victim, David Madsen. David Madsen's apartment. Kunanen rang Trail from Madsen's apartment to come and retrieve his gun because, you know, Trail's like, where the fuck is my gun right now? Come on now. Um, on arrival, Kunanen beat trail to death with a hammer in front of david madsen oh my gosh let me just tell you guys i've never seen anyone die in front of me i've never seen anyone get bashed in the head with anything i would have post-traumatic stress i wouldn't be able to sleep i literally would have the image just running in my brain running in my brain all the time if i seen someone just beat the hell out of someone with a hammer and I don't know how this guy really did it, but obviously we know that he ends up being a victim anyways. On April 29th, one of Madsen's co-workers was very concerned about David and how his uh, he wasn't showing up to work very often or at all. She visited his apartment to check on him and they discovered Trail's body uh, rolled up um, and placed behind the sofa. Trail had been wrapped in a rug and his body had been stuffed in the back of there it's said that trails watch actually stopped in 955 believing that believing by authorities to be the time of the killing so that's quite interesting um i have my own theory of course i feel like andrew probably killed trail in a jealous rage that's what i'm kind of thinking because you know Jeff didn't want to do anything with Andrew, so he just was like, you know what, I need to kill this guy because, you know what, I'm really super jealous of him. That's just my theory. I don't know if anyone knows, but obviously there was no motive, you know, for that. But that's what I feel like was. Um, second victim, David Matson, 33-year-old Matson was... Kunanen's second victim. Authorities believe that Madsen remained in his apartment with Kunanen two days after Trail's murder, as one of the neighbors had witnessed both of the men in the apartment elevator on April 28th, and another neighbor witnessed uh, the pair walking Madsen's dog on April 29th. Investigators instantly treated Madsen actually as a suspect in Trail's murder, but Madsen's family insisted that he, he was held cautious by Cunanan. On May 2nd, Madsen and Cunanan were seen north of Minneapolis driving in Madsen's Jeep. So his family believed that he was actually being held hostage, but I, I totally, I totally actually understand because I feel like he was totally getting, you know, kind of choke slammed a little bit. They were eating lunch together in a bar, so that's where they were. Uh, the following morning, Madsen's body was found on the east shore of Rush Lake near Push City, Minnesota, with a gunshot wound in the head and in the back. So there's one exit wound from the temple, and there was one in the back. It is psycho, I'm telling you. Um, it was from a .40 caliber, caliber Taurus PT-100 semi-automatic pistol Kunanen had taken from Trail's home. Isn't that insane? Literally from the temple to the back. I mean, 
I, I, I think, I think the motive for this one, and I'm just kind of going as a far fetch. I feel like Matson uh, kind of rejected Andrew, and Andrew was obsessed with him. So Matson was like, you know what? I can't be with you because you're a freaking psycho. I, I honestly think that's what it was. So he's like, let me get rid of this guy. Let me shoot him in the back of the head. So it goes, the exaboom comes from the front of the head. And yeah, I, that's, that's just my theory. I mean, you guys can make your own theories as well, too. You can put that in the comments below. But I'm telling you right now, that is exactly what it was. And I have good reason to believe that. Uh, third victim is Lee Miglin. On May 4th, Kunanen drove to Chicago, Illinois, and killed 72-year-old Lee Miglin, a prominent real estate developer. He bound Miglin's hands and feet. Okay, I'm just going to stop right here, okay, guys? If you're kind of squeamish and you really don't want to listen to this, please just kind of skip over this part. But this is very uncomfortable. And when I read it and when I watched it in the series, I literally was traumatized and had nightmares about it. Um, so, yes, let's get back into it. So he bound his hands and feet and wrapped his head in t- duct tape, then stabbed Miglin more than 20 times with a screwdriver slit his throat with a hacksaw and stole his car. I'm going to say this again. Andrew Kunanen was seriously royally messed up. Miglin's family maintained that the killing was random, in the f- but a former FBI agent argues that it's unlikely that Kunanen would have bound and tortured Miglin without some motive. This one, I think is uh, Lee had a a secret affair with Andrew. That's just what I saw in the series, but I'm really thinking it's that way. And Andrew decided to kill him. That's just my theory. I'm just saying. Investigators noted that Miglin's 1994 green Lexus LS sedan was missing from his garage and found Matson's Jeep parked parked up the street near Lee's house. Miglin's Lexus was equipped with a car phone in which according to American Trade Cellular Records was activated on May 4th in Union County, Pennsylvania. Authorities began monitoring this phone's activity and found that it was also activated on May 8th in Philly and May 9th near Pensgrove and the corner of Point Townships, New Jersey. So he was literally all over the place, I guess. But that's kind of how investigators were tracking him down a little bit. And that's actually really perfect because eventually they do, you know, catch him. Uh, Now, Andrew's fourth victim, William Reese, on May 9th in Penceville Township, New Jersey, at Finns Point National Cemetery, Kunanen shot and killed 45-year-old caretaker William Reese. Later that day, when Reese did not return from home from dinner, his wife visited the cemetery to check on him and found caretakers, the caretaker's office ajar um, in the, the, sorry, the door was ajar so the radio was still playing inside she thought that was a little weird because she was like okay he's nowhere to be sight she called the police and was found reese she found reese shot in the head the same taurus pistol that kunanin used to murder madsen unlike kunanin's other victims 
who he had maybe killed just, you know, for personal reasons. Authorities believe Cunanan's murder, murdering Reese was simply because, you know, for his 1995 Chevrolet pickup truck. Cunanan used this truck to drive to Florida. On May 12th, Cunanan began staying at the Normandy Plaza Hotel in Miami Beach, Florida, where he paid $29 a night in cash. So it was a really ghetto hotel that he stayed at. And I mean, obviously, he only can afford that because he was living on, you know, whatever he sold in drugs or whatever. On June 12th, he was listed as the FBI's 10 most wanted, wanted fugitive list. And while the manhunt and success fully focused on Reese's stolen truck that Cunanan was using, Cunanan used his own name to pawn a stolen item on June 7th, despite noting that police routinely reviewed the pawn shop records. So he just did it kind of blindly, and it was like, you know what? Police are not going to catch me. I'm fine. Um, because he, obviously he ran out of money, so he really wanted to, you know... He really, really wanted to make sure that he pawned something so he can have money. Uh, he checked out of his hotel without paying his last night there. Uh, kind of hotel and ditch, I guess, right? And it's quite interesting, though, too, because I feel like Andrew just, he was searching for something. And we'll get into that, you guys. All right, so Andrew's fifth victim and the most famous victim is Gianni Versace. I just want to say, because I was a fashion student, I was obsessed with Versace. I still am kind of, you know, a little obsessed with Versace. And that was one of actually the designers I studied when I was in my second quarter. And Gianni was definitely, if you guys don't know who Gianni Versace is, you should slap yourself. But he was the quintessential 90s designer, and he designed so many beautiful dresses for women. Very 90s, obviously, like those puff sleeves, and very bright, and I love bright, so I obviously was a huge fan of his. But yeah, that's just a little rundown of who Gianni was, and he has a sister, Donatella, and you see their you know, relationship in the series as well, too. Around 8.45 on July 1st, Cunanan murdered 50-year-old Gianni Versace on the front steps of uh, Gianni Versace's mansion in Miami. So he literally just killed him right in front of there. Versace was returning from a visit from the news cafe where he had picked up a couple magazines, and he was shot once in the back of the head and once in the left cheek with the same pistol that Andrew used to kill Madsen and Reese. What the hell? A witness pursued Kananen but was unable to catch him and he, because he had fled into another parking lot garage. Versace was pronounced dead at Jackson Memorial at 9.21 a.m. Responding police found Reese's stolen vehicle in a nearby parking garage and it contained clothes of Kunanen's clipping of newspaper reports about the early murders. So obviously Andrew was kind of keeping up to all that, but you know, um, they couldn't really catch him for some reason. And it's so crazy because I feel like there's so many people have opinion about the police or whatever, but for me, if you have the whole cold evidence, wouldn't you want to, you know, to arrest them? But obviously I don't know how it works. I think you have to have a solid, you know, case building against them. If you don't have a solid case, obviously it's just not going to work out. 
Uh, let's talk about the death of Andrew. On July 23, 1997, Kunana's body was found at a luxury houseboat in Miami Beach after a caretaker reported hearing a gunshot to police. And he shot himself in the head with the same Taurus pistol, the same one he stole from Trail. Now, I think it's very sad what Andrew had gone through and... It's very sad that he committed those murders, but at the same time, I feel like Andrew just didn't get to enjoy himself and was constantly lying about himself, and he just couldn't take it anymore. He really couldn't take it anymore, so that's why, you know, obviously he he committed suicide. Now, Kunayan's motivation, you know, remains still unknown at the time of the murders. Um, there was an extensive public and, and press speculation linking the crimes to Kunayan's alleged discovery that he was HIV positive, although an autopsy revolved, re- revealed he was actually HIV negative. So I think it's possible that he was negative, but I feel like there's a lot of like child abuse that he had gone through. And I was reading into to, to stuff. And, you know, he might have been abused as a kid. So I think that's the reason why he kind of went a little nuts a little bit. And it's so crazy. I remember, obviously, I said earlier that Bailey said that a lot of people either suffer from child abuse or some kind of mental health Ill issues. And that's the reason why they become serial killers is because they can't handle themselves. And I f- that's how I feel about that. Um, you know... It's so crazy because if you haven't dealt with mental health or if you haven't been, you know, abused as a child, you don't understand. You have no clue. He left no suicide note and only a few personal um, belongings. Investigators noticed that, noted that Kunanen's um, rep of having money and expensive, you know, stuff from wealthy uh, older men that may have drove him to pretty much, you know, kill himself. So... Um, I want to talk about American Crime Story, but obviously, you know, I don't want to give too much away, but I've given a little bit of peace. Now, uh, obviously, I said that it's kind of dramatized and, you know, it, it kind of tells the story of Andrew and it kind of doesn't. But it's so crazy because, like, the acting in it is just so unbelievable. And, you know, you have to really sit down and watch it and really kind of get to it. You know, it shows the backstory of Andrew, real bit fabricated, you know. Um, however, it never really... Never in the research, I never really seen any backstory of Andrew and his home life. Well, in the series, it kind of dives into that, and I feel like I said, you know, just 20 seconds later ago, I feel like this guy really, really, really had something that happened to him in childhood that really messed him up, and it is so true to everything. And I feel sort of bad for him in a sense because, you know. He really wanted to be this superstar person, but at the same time, he was lying his way to do that. And, you know, he was afraid of rejection, and I totally picked that up when I was watching the series, that this guy is so afraid of rejection. And if he's not afraid of rejection, then he he becomes really, like, like distant and really, really soulless. And that's why he killed, you know, these people. And American Crime Story, it really dives into that. And like I said, if you haven't seen it, it's on Netflix. See it, and it will give you the ultimate backstory to Andrew. 
and it's just amazing what this guy has gone through. It's amazing that he really killed all these people. It's really sad because, you know, Gianni Versace and the other men did not deserve to die. I feel like Andrew was very selfish in that sense that he should have worked out his own issues, but it's easier said than done. It's really easier said than done. But yeah, thank you guys so much. That is the case of Andrew Kanaden. I really wanted to get into it because obviously, like I said, I loved American Crime Story. So, you know, I had to really, really get into the extensive research, all of it too. But yeah, um, thank you guys so much for joining us this week, like I said. Um, Next week, we're going to be diving into another interesting case, but I won't really tell you too much because you have to listen, okay? (laughs) Thank you guys so much, and um, I will catch you next week.